This right there, that statement alone reveals the heart and it reveals the heart of true wickedness. When people espouse one thing and are like holier than thou, or they're like, oh, but when it doesn't suit their needs, when it doesn't help them, they sell out. The mob wins the day and Pilate sentences an innocent man to death as we continue with life's meaning and purpose, an in-depth study of the Gospel of John. Hello and welcome to the Transforming Lives Together podcast. As meticulous as the Gospel writers were in documenting the events leading to Christ's death, their goal wasn't merely to create a historical record. While knowing the people, places, and times that help shape these events is important, we are called to go beyond them to find our place in the narrative. To see the human condition, our condition, exposed by the light of the bleeding Messiah as he stands at the center of our unrest and injustice never raising his voice. This is where we find ourselves in our lesson for this week. Pilate believes Jesus to be innocent yet yields to the mob to save his own neck, and the mob, incited by the Jewish leadership, shows their true colors as they manipulate Pilate to get their way, sending Jesus to be crucified. Before we turn it over to Father Ward, we would like to say thank you for your time as you tune in each week. We pray you are blessed and encouraged by the content of this podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to stay up to date with the latest episodes. And if you've enjoyed what you're hearing from this podcast, please help us out by leaving a five-star rating and review. Your positive feedback will help us reach more people with this podcast. And now, with this week's lesson in the Gospel of John, here is Father Ward. So uh, before we begin, why don't we pray the Lord be with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for just another day, for the privilege it is to be Your children, that we've been adopted as Your sons and daughters by the great work of Your Son, Jesus Christ. And we thank You that tonight is an opportunity to see exactly some of what happened on that fateful day some uh, 2,000 years ago. Uh, We pray, Father, that uh, Your Holy Spirit would help us to uh, see uh, what was going on and and how it relates to the overall salvation history, uh, as well as our own personal lives, our walks with you. We pray for all those who couldn't come tonight. We pray for our family and friends. We pray for those who are fighting illness. We pray that your healing power would uh, go forth from us as we uh, pray for our loved ones and that you would continue to keep us healthy and uh, heal any ailments that we might be fighting ourselves. Uh, we thank you, Lord, because it is because of Jesus's death because of his blood that we have healing body soul and spirit so we commit this time to you in jesus name amen okay so uh, we're going to continue where we left off last week we were looking at the trial of jesus jesus is brought uh, by the uh, leadership of the jews before pilate and John's Gospel doesn't spend uh, any time really with Jesus being brought before Herod. John's Gospel is more focused on Jesus' interactions with Pontius Pilate. And when we uh, talk about John's Gospel, recall the purpose for the Gospel. John tells us in the next chapter, chapter 20, Therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. So again, the foundational reason is to show the world 
that Jesus is the Christ. He is the prophesied Messiah that the Jewish people and ultimately the nation of Israel had been promised and were looking for. And that He is not just the promised Messiah, the great anointed one, but He is the Son of God. And that means that He is fully God and also fully man. Hence also the title Son of Man. Uh, But He's first Son of God. And that when we put our trust in Him, that is when we have true life, meaningful life, and healed life. In other words, a life of wholeness. And so apart from Jesus, one cannot be made whole. Apart from Jesus, one cannot have eternal life. And that is because the very life that we have came from Jesus in the first place. That's how John's Gospel begins. Remember, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God. And He is the life. He is the light of all men. Nothing came into being that has come to be apart from the Word, apart from Jesus. The Word became flesh. He dwelt among us. We read later in John 1. And we spent a whole study, obviously, on that. And then Jesus said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that whoever believes in Him uh, should not perish but have eternal life. So notice that we start off with God's love. That the sending of Jesus is a reflection of divine love. And that the heart of love is always giving of oneself, giving to another. You can't have love apart from another person. Uh, Self-love is not really true love. Love is always uh, defined within a relationship uh, and emanates from God because God is a relational being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then Jesus said, I came that they might have life or may have life and have it abundantly. Now this is the setting of Jesus' ministry. It's pretty amazing that He only spent 33 years, uh, a piece of real estate smaller than uh, the state of New Jersey. And yet, he's impacted the world like no other person, no other being in history. Okay, we'll get back to this in a minute. So, why don't we, uh, I have uh, detailed notes, but why don't we open our Bibles? Uh, And they're a little more lengthy because chapter 19 is long. It also is, uh, there's a lot of detail to it, a lot of historical detail. And so we have a lot to talk about tonight. So John, actually John 18, because we, we left off the last couple verses there. If you recall, we left off where Pilate says to Jesus, after Jesus said the reason why he came, he is a king. And uh, the reason why he came, though, is to testify to the truth. And Pilate responds, what is truth? At the end of the day, that's the most important thing, is to know what is true, what is real. Jesus, in the synoptics we read, Jesus asks the disciples, who do people say that I am? And then he says, but who do you say that I am? And then Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said to him, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, the confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So, page 1083, for those who have a pew Bible, page 1083, verse 38, chapter 18, Pilate says to Jesus, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no guilt in him. So, Pilate cannot justify putting Jesus to death. 
He understands this is a religious squabble. And there is no reason for him under Roman law to put him to death. Now, I know liberal scholars like to throw out and say, well, you know, Pontius Pilate, he was a ruthless man and, and that wouldn't have mattered to him and, and all of that. Uh, but that's a very simplistic understanding of what's going on. We're going to see that in a moment. The simple fact is we don't really have a lot of historical records when it comes to the first century. We have a couple Roman historians we have Josephus, the Jewish historian. We have the Gospels themselves. A few other pieces here and there, but there's not a whole lot to go by. So you have to be careful when you start to make arguments from silence, from kind of assumptions. What we have is what we have. And uh, what we have is pr- pretty plain. Uh, Pilate uh, was in a political pickle because he was dealing with Jewish folks who were very committed to their religion, who considered the Romans oppressors, who had fought the Romans in the past. There were continued you know, flare-ups. And we know this is true because eventually Rome got so sick and tired of the Jewish problem that they totally destroyed the city in 70 AD, destroyed the temple. You know, enough is enough. So Pilate was in a difficult spot here. Uh, And he knew that the Jewish religious leadership did not like Jesus because he was a threat to their own power and that this was a religious squabble with political undertones. And he was caught in the middle. So he says, I find no guilt in him. And then he gives them an out. Verse 39, he says, But you have a custom that I release someone for you at the Passover, you wish then I release for you the king of the Jews. So the Passover feast, the most uh, significant feast of the Jewish year, the Jewish faith, and while we have no historical record of them releasing a Jewish uh, prisoner at that time, it would make sense that Rome allowed that for the sake of pacifying the Jewish population. To say, hey, at least we can give you someone you know, we can release for you someone. And most likely, now we don't know for sure, but most likely Barabbas was not just a common criminal. He wasn't just a common robber. Most likely he had committed murder and sedition. Most likely he was like a guerrilla fighter against Rome. Now, what's ironic is that Barabbas means son of the father. I don't know if you know that or not. Bar, son, Raaba. Son of the Father. That's literally what Barabbas means. Or Barabbas, however you want to pronounce it. And so, here is this pseudo Son of the Father who could very well be wanting an independent Israel. But it's all in a worldly way. Remember Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. Barabbas, Son of the Father, is of the worldly way. And so, Pilate, giving the Jews an opportunity to set Jesus free, and Pilate kind of, what's the word, you know, rubs it in, the, in a little bit by saying, here's the king of the Jews. Do you really want me to kill this man who has so many following him? Are you, would rather, he hasn't committed murder. All he's done is said he's king of the Jews. This Barabbas, 
he's a bad guy. So who do you want me to free? So Pilate's giving the people, the leadership, an out. But they're not going to take it. What do they say? Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him. This was the preliminary punishment before you were crucified. And the scourge was, I should have gotten a picture of it, but we all, we've all seen it. A leather handle with thongs and bits of stone and bone. Bottom line is, you take that and hit someone on the back. After a few strokes, you're going to be, you're going to have a bloody mess. You're going to have flesh being torn off uh, the back. And so, Pilate did this because it was common custom, but he also did this to see if it would assuage the anger and the, or the desire, not the anger, the desire to see Jesus killed. Because he knew that the Jewish leaders were instigating the crowd. The crowd was becoming a mob. And certainly the Jewish leadership, politically and religious, kind of they were synonymous, the Sanhedrin, they would have planted their people in that mob, in that crowd, uh, to do their bidding. And so we see that as Jesus, after he's scourged, the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and put on a purple robe on him. Now, what's interesting is they're treating him as if he is like their emperor, but he's, they're doing it in a mocking fashion. Purple was the color of um, Emperor the Caesar's. Uh, his Praetorian Guard, uh, they were set apart from the common Roman soldiers as the Praetorian wore more of a crimson, purplish uh, color for their tunics. Uh, and so they put the purple on, and then they put this crown of thorns, which was from a common type of vine in that region. But what's interesting is that the Roman emperor, the mark of deity for a Roman emperor was the laurel wreath that was put on their head. In fact, their coinage would have that. And so isn't it ironic that the Roman soldiers are putting on a crown that actually is similar to the one that reflects the deity of their emperor, and they're serving their emperor as if he is a god, but he's a phony god, and they're mocking the very god of the universe, the god of creation. So you can just see the irony in this entire narrative and, and what's actually going on. Just everything's reversed. Opposite of what it should be. And ultimately, our lives in terms of how and where we live in this world and the spirit of the world, everything's kind of the opposite of what it really should be when you think about it. I mean, yes, there's, there's good things. Yes, there is principles. There's virtue. But let's face it, more often than not, the virtue, the godliness, that doesn't win the day. There's this constant conflict, and it's almost like it's countercultural. Countercultural to be a Christian. And again, no different back then. Verse 3 And they began to come up to him and say, Hail, King of the Jews! And they give him slaps in the face. Now, this was a double insult because what they're doing is not only mocking Jesus for being a supposed king, but they look down upon the Jews. And so this was a way to express their hatred and their 
in their own eyes, racial superiority. Verse 4, Pilate came out again and said to them, Behold, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So here we go. Pilate again is saying, I don't find this man guilty. Jesus then came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Now this is significant, not in so much that Pilate was doing this for, I mean, commentators might say there's, I haven't really come across any, I'm sure there are some maybe reasons Pilate would say it this way, but from a theological standpoint, it emphasizes that Jesus is a man. He is fully, he's not some supernatural being who's not in the flesh. So behold the man. So when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify! Crucify! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. So this is, I don't know, how you can look at how many times. This is like the fourth time uh, Pilate's saying, you know, I don't find guilt in him. But what's significant here is he's saying, he's, he's in a way mocking them, saying, hey, you knowing well they can't, they can't execute him because they don't have that authority. But he's saying, hey, I find no guilt. Just take him yourselves and you kill them. Now if, he, now if they kill him, they then would be liable to Pilate's judgment. But the reason why Paul's, uh, Pilate is doing that is just to say, hey, I want to be rid of this and I really am not happy with how you guys are handling it. The death penalty could only be inflicted by the Roman authorities. Jews couldn't. There was only one exception. Jews could put to death a Gentile who trespassed in the sacred enclosure of the temple. Get near the Holy of Holies, they were allowed to kill a Gentile. So if a Gentile got through and into the most sacred part of the temple, they were allowed to kill that Gentile. It would be kind of like, you know, home invasion type thing. But that was the only reason that uh, they were able to kill anybody. The Romans assumed that authority. So when Pilate says this, verse 7, the Jews answer him, we have a law. And by that law, he ought to die because he made himself out to be the Son of God. So what were the Jews referring to? They were referring to the laws of blasphemy. And one in particular set forth in Leviticus 24. I have the reference there. Basically says that if you make yourself out to be God, you should be stoned. That's a capital offense. Now, this gave Pilate pause, not because of the Jewish faith, but because of his own pagan faith. Notice verse 8, Therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. Now, why would Pilate be more afraid? Not because Jesus is breaking Jewish law, but because in Pilate's worldview, he came from the understanding of the Greek and Roman gods and goddesses, pagan mythology, that taught that on occasion the gods would descend upon the earth and consort with men and women, have relations with men and women, and those, men and, uh, those women would give birth to demigods or semigods. You remember Hercules? 
And these gods that were half human and half God would do great miracles or great feats of strength. And so Pilate had to think about maybe is there something to this Jesus? He already was affected by how Jesus talked and how He portrayed Himself. So maybe this Jesus is something more than just a Jewish you know, teacher. A Jewish religious or holy man. Maybe He is of a supernatural origin. And so if Pilate ends up handing Him over to be killed, then He will fall into disfavor with the gods. So you can see now that Pilate is having issues personally involving his own worldview, and we're going to see now in just a few more verses his own political standing with Rome. Now, this idea of the gods having relations with humans is a prevalent one throughout the ancients and when you look at ancient religion and mythology. And sometimes, critics of the Christian faith like to say that the virgin birth was borrowed from that type of thinking, that those type of religions. And they just say that it's just another myth. But the virgin birth is much different than the mythic stories of ancient pagan religion. Because first of all, the virgin birth was not some god or coming down from heaven having sexual relations with a, uh, a woman. Uh, the virgin birth was a supernatural event apart from any sex act. God took an egg as only the Creator could and fertilized it or transformed it into a human being. He took only half a set of chromosomes and He merged it with His own set of chromosomes. I mean, that's just miraculous. On top of that, it was foretold uh, in the Old Testament, several prophecies foretold of this event. On top of that, when we look at the miracles of Jesus, they're not sensational. They're not like, wow, look at this. You know, wow, he, uh, you know, took down a building with his bare hands, you know, or he, and the building just collapsed. For what purpose, right? The mythologies were all about the competition between this God versus that God. And what's interesting too is the, each people group, in most cases, each civilization would have the same types of gods and goddesses for various themes and aspects of life. So you have the god or goddess of war and sex and fertility and, and, and so forth, love. But they were all in competition, but each society had the same type of gods, but they had different names for those gods. You go to Egypt and you have all these different names. You go to Rome, all these are the same polytheistic mumbo-jumbo. But when we talk about the God of the universe, we don't name Him. That's why what do we call the God of the universe first? Yahweh, which is simply a Hebrew rendition of the verb to be. He just is. God is not nameable. And when we look at the name Jesus, Jesus simply means Yahweh saves. 
when we look at the term Christ, Christ simply means the anointed one. That's not really a proper name because God can't be named. We are named by Him. We don't name Him. Now, He can name Himself. Now, that's just one aspect of the differences between our faith and the religions of the ancient world. And and we don't have time to go into more detail, but I just wanted to highlight that distinction. So verse 9, And he entered into the praetorium again, his official residence, and he said to Jesus, Where are you from? See, so he's trying to figure some things out. But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You do not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? Now, see, obviously, just as uh, Pilate got offended back in chapter 18. You know, is this how you answer? How you, he's saying, hey man, I got power, but yeah, he doesn't know if he really has power. The fact is, he's really not in control, we're going to see. He thinks he's in control, but he isn't because actually it's the Jewish leadership that forces his hand. He does not have the courage to stand against the Jewish leadership because he's afraid of his own political future as it relates to the Caesar, to Tiberius. And so, Jesus answers him, You would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. So Pilate is sinning here if he goes through with this because he's condemning an innocent man and he knows that. According to Roman law, there's no reason for Jesus to be condemned. He didn't commit sedition. He didn't attack any soldier. He didn't do anything. But the Jewish leadership has a greater sin because they are condemning and seeking the execution of the very Son of God. Verse 12, as a result of this, Pilate, here we go again, made efforts to release Him. But the Jews cried out saying, if you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. They got him. Because a friend of Caesar meant that you were part of Caesar's inner circle. You were part of Caesar's elite. And he was. He was prefect of Judea. He knew the Caesar personally. He was sent there by the Caesar. And so if the high priest sends word to the Caesar that Pilate is not taking care of a man who claims to be a king and is a potential usurper of the emperor's authority, then Tiberius, who is known to be ruthless and very suspicious of everyone, as a typical tyrant would be, would be wondering, is Pilate really for me or is he against me? Is he up to something of maybe establishing a rival political faction? And if the high priest sends word to the emperor, the emperor is not only going to have words with Pilate, but depending on the mood of the emperor, Pilate may not only just lose his governorship, he may lose his head. You just never know, right? Because 99% of the time, dictatorships rule by fear. So, we know that Pilate was afraid because he caved. Verse 13, Therefore when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now, where this was, you see the map here? 
Here's Herod's palace. Some believe it was at Herod's palace where the pavement was. Others believe that it was uh, at uh, Antonia. I think it's called Antonia. It's the, uh, it's the castle. It's where the Roman garrison was. Uh, here's the, uh, yeah, so it was probably around this area. I mean, if you go to Old Jerusalem, you, you can find the area they think it might have been, but we don't know for sure. But in any event, it was probably in this vicinity because Gabbatha means ridge, high point. And the Roman garrison was on a high point overlooking the city. Verse 14, Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. The sixth hour, that can be rendered either six in the morning or at noon. Notice though that John says about the sixth hour. So we're looking at the morning hours sometime uh, on that Friday. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king! So when he does that, he's in a, in a sense mocking them. Because he's like, here's your king, and look at him, he's a mess. He's a bloody mess. So they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. This, is, this right there, that statement alone, reveals the heart. And it reveals the heart of true wickedness when people espouse one thing and are like holier than thou or they're like, oh, but when it doesn't suit their needs, when it doesn't help them, they sell out. Because can you imagine Pharisees and even the Sadducees who are political animals to, who, don't, who believe Rome is an oppressor who don't believe in the emperor and all his garbage. Remember, they tried to trick Jesus with the coin, with the emperor, uh, you know, or who do, who do we pay taxes to? You know, all that type of thing, right? And here they are against idolatry. I mean, it's everything that Caesar stands for is the opposite of the Jewish religion. And they say, we have no king but Caesar? Are you kidding me? And Pilate sees through it. So he then handed him over. So he, Pilate, then handed Jesus over to them to be crucified. What's interesting is that Pilate had an opportunity to embrace the truth. Remember? Jesus spent so much time trying to penetrate the heart of Pilate, trying to reach Pilate. He actually, Jesus spent more time trying to reach Pilate than he did to defend himself. Again, just reflecting of our, our Lord's love. And Pilate was right there. And yet he turned, his, turned away from the truth because of fear. Fear of maybe he didn't understand what was going on. Fear of, because he would have to humble himself. And also fear of his own political future. And by condemning Jesus, by allowing Jesus to be executed, executed Pilate lost both the truth and he lost his security. Because eventually he was removed by Tiberius anyway. Did Pilate later come to Christ? We don't know. It's possible. In, um, I think it's Matthew's Gospel. Remember Pilate's wife or Luke's, I forgot which one, has the bad dream. It says, have nothing to do with this guy. A lot was going on. 
You have been listening to the Transforming Lives Together podcast, a ministry of St. Bartholomew's Anglican Church in Tonawanda, New York. To learn more about our church, please visit stbartston.org. Again, that's stbartston.org. You can also connect with St. Bartholomew's on Facebook and Instagram through the handle at St. Bart's Anglican Church. And you can connect with this podcast on Facebook through at Transforming Lives Together Cast. We hope you will tune in next time as we continue with Life's Meaning and Purpose, an in-depth study of the Gospel of John. Until then, we leave you with these verses from the book of the prophet Malachi. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. God bless.